Wait, did you hear? <gasps> no. We're diving into the juiciest celebrity profiles of all time. I'm Beatrice Hazelhurst. And I'm Ivana Ryder. This, this is Uncover Girl. God, it's good to see you. Oh, yeah. Back in the driver's seat. It's been, what, three days? Yeah. But that's the longest we've gone for a very, very long time. Yeah, no, we need to start this with both a PSA and an apology. Yeah, of course. We're so sorry, dear Agos, for... Letting you down. Letting you down, leaving you on red last week. Uh, We were whisked away to the Swiss Alps, and frankly... (laughs) It was a journey. It was a ride. And there was just no room, no room no to room. dissect a celebrity interview. I can say that no, now because we did briefly joke about bringing our mics with us. But I, I say with clear heart and clear mind that there would have been not a minute to do so. Looking back, that is laughable. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> comical. The suitcase space we would have wasted. <laughs> I couldn't know. brought home half of the drop. <laughs> I could not have brought home half the Zara dresses I bought. That's a perfect lead into the fact that this is episode a- or intro outro, let's say, because we we did do an interview and we and that has been cut and condensed for clarity. Uh, but this this we're right off. This is a live show, baby. We're going unedited because, frankly, <laughs> we don't have the time. We don't have the bandwidth. <laughs> so you're going to be hearing some little flubs. Yeah. And a little study here and there. Yeah. Keep it spicy. I know, but we have to remind you that we're human once in a while. Absolutely. And this is like the experience of hanging out with us in person. Exactly. Which many of you often do because you are our friends. <laughs> 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 and we appreciate it and love you for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we need to give a little bit of a background mm-hmm. on basically what has been our last 10 days and how it came to be. Oh my God. I mean... I would say, let's open on saying this was all incredibly last minute. Yes. International Woman of Mystery in the truest sense of like receiving a mission. Do you choose to accept? Yeah. And having truly five seconds to decide. To decide because, yeah, for me, I received my international plane tickets on the way to the airport after I had already arrived to LAX. No, I, yeah, not on the way. Not on the way. When yeah. you were inside the terminal. I did have to depart in an Uber without... 100% clarity on if I would receive a plane ticket because there were some mix-ups with flights and it got sort of complicated. Beatrice was good to go on her way. I there were just like some issues with flight bookings and then I basically were I we're both on the phone deciding yeah. morning of the trip, bags packed, whether or not we're going to go or not. Yeah, to to give like a little bit of backstory, usually press trips, which is what we went on, mm-hmm. uh, are kind of planned like three to six months in advance are a big deal and you have to really sign on and you have them booked and marked in your calendar. This kind of came up the week prior where a publicist friend of ours was like, hey, there's two spots on this trip. Would you guys like to go? It's the Swiss Alps. It's like four days. We were like, you know what? Our, our partners were like to us, you guys would be stupid. It's the middle of July. It's Europe. It's an all expenses paid trip. Like anyone would jump at this opportunity. And we said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go. We'll go. We'll go. We'll go. <laughs> this was probably what? T minus six days until departure. Yeah. Fast forward another three to four. It's two days until departure. 
and we are waiting on final confirmations. Like, when do we leave? We know it must be Thursday, we think. <laughs> At this point, it's Tuesday. And then we find out, look, the hotels in Geneva, one part of the trip, are really like they're solidly booked. There just may not be room for both of us. Someone is someone is locked in, but someone's not. We've got to try, we're trying to make it work, but we don't know if we can. And the solve, like the solution was that if we went from Switzerland to Ibiza mm-hmm. on a, on a separate trip straight after the Swiss Alps, we would be ju- like justified in going to the trip. Like it would make sense because it would be two for one, like two birds, one stone, two separate trips and one, two press opportunities for the brand mm-hmm. and one, which did make sense, but added an extra. Oh my God. Few days. Yeah. And was kind of just a much bigger undertaking of like, okay, now we're going to two countries. We took for a week. Yeah. For a week. We took eight flights in seven days. Yeah. I calculated oh. it. <laughs> we took eight flights in seven days and it was undoubtedly amazing. Like it was the time of our lives. Uh, oh but, my God. Incredible. But this decision was made on the wisp of the wisp of the wind. Yeah. Within yep. within seconds of oh, the day before, right? Wednesday, we left on Thursday. It was Wednesday. We were like, we're going to Ibiza. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, okay, that's fine. We'll do that. <laughs> if that has to happen, that's what we'll do. And it ended up being absolutely gorgeous. We spent our last day in Ibiza boating around um, all these islands and having a beautiful lunch and it, no, it was it was so incredible. Yeah, it was totally surreal because these are this was one of these trips that like we've all been on where you've planned it for a year in advance. Yeah, you were so excited. You've packed. You had all your outfits, you know, locked and loaded for at least three weeks prior. And this was just like we had to be ready. We had to go. It was absolutely nuts. And that is truly the entire reason why there wasn't an episode. Just to yeah. yeah. It was, we were thrown into the deep end. It really did. It really has solidified for me that maybe you don't need the full year. I agree. You know, in my mind, if someone had asked me, like, if you were given five days notice, could you go on a full European vacation? I think my answer prior to this trip would have been absolutely not. No way. What about the charging the the adapting the the adaptive chargers like I don't oh, I don't have of that of course of course uh, the adapters yeah the adapters <laughs> of course <laughs> like I don't have that I I couldn't possibly I'd probably need to buy new clothes and no we everything we had we sourced in our closets we figured it out on the way what yeah. we didn't have we bought our suitcases went missing and even then we figured it out and we were just like okay well if we have to we'll go to Zara and buy new outfits and wear those out tonight okay but you're overlooking the crucial component that was the magic the mystery the enigma the resilience of our specific dynamic that's so true because we that's were, so true. we said at multiple points on the trip if we had done this with our partners and- our boyfriends anyone Anyone else. It just would not have worked. No. And we, I think we had a theory that we would travel well together. We thought, you know, we've spent time together. We've gone to Joshua Tree together, you know, and all of those times filled with laughter and joy. But this is different. This is different. (laughs) Oh, you mean the 20 hour travel day? Yeah. It's different to a (laughs) two hour drive to Joshua Tree. The 18 hours straight together. The sharing a bed for a little portion of the trip. Yes. And like waking up to your face falling asleep to your face (laughs) sunrise and sundown for me was you and we had I think five to like on a on a good day it was six hours apart apart yeah 
most of the time it was four to five yeah when we were tied to our separate yeah. rooms and then re-emerged yeah i slept briefly <laughs> <laughs> took short short naps to recharge for the next day yeah no it would have been really tough with anyone else and I think like the formula emerged we really quickly took on our individual roles yeah mine was the the forager yeah the the kind of the discoverer the researcher the, the like this is here the linguist the linguist, yeah, the linguist. <laughs> like this is here we're, this is where we're going we're doing it now let's make it happen yeah and then you were the you so, held me down, I would say. The planner. Yeah. The competent one. The, the prepared. The prepared I, I one. I feel like the fanny pack holder. The of fanny the pack. Yeah. Where I had eye drops. I had cash. I had, I don't even know what, like, you had nausea medication. You had something that was truly outrageous that I was just like, there's absolutely no way. A hair tie? <laughs> yeah, baby, it was a hair tie in that moment. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. No, no, there... Oh, no, I know what you're talking about. It was something wild. It was like nasal wash. And yes. you were like, there's no way you've got it. And I was like, I think I have it. And I think I have it on me. No, it's it was yeah. unbelievable. It was unreal what you what you fit in that little fanny pack. I know. And for me, as someone who leaves, <laughs> leaves the house. Famously with. With just a phone. The clothes on your back and a phone. <laughs> claiming again and again, Apple Pay. <laughs> Everyone's got it. <laughs> And Father was like, why do you never have a wallet? I was like, you just don't need one. Yeah. It's just <laughs> all the cards are loaded on the phone. <laughs> it's just another thing to lose. Yeah. It's no, it's true. And that is true. That is true. I was horrified the one night I had to go out with my passport because my driver's license was seized by the Ibizan, um <laughs> by the Ibizan luggage area that stole our luggage and then traded it for my and driver's that, license that was truly the only time that i feel like i was the prepared one and it was because yeah. I, and this is this is a real like hot tip oh and my you've god seen it on tiktok like this isn't new but i accidentally ordered two apple tags i put them on my cat's collars so i can track them track their every move and i just on a whim total whim put the spare one in my suitcase and watched as it was left behind <laughs> in madrid in madrid after a connecting flight and so we showed up in a visa. We had no clothes. We were supposed to hit the club that night. We were like, okay, all we have are these little suits that we were wearing. Our, our travel suits. Our matching yeah. tie-dye, tie-dye travel, travel suits, suits. Provided to us by the brand Sun Chasers. Thank you so much. They were Gorgeous. in our hotel room when we arrived. Yeah. So we were Tweedledum and Tweedledee in our little suits. Stalking the halls. <laughs> <laughs> but they were, they're like pajamas. So yeah. we were like, how do we wear these out? All we have is our flat sandals we cannot possibly go to dimitri oh, dimitri no no I know. he wants to be on mic <laughs> he's ready to he's his tell all his red table we bring him to the red table <laughs> um yeah no we yeah we couldn't club it up we, we could not club, club it up. up there was no way around it so we decided to go to Zara. We got in a taxi. We we're like, it's, it was 9.30. Zara closed at 10. And we were like, we have to find a little club look. There's, we've got to find some heels. Dimitri, that's enough. <laughs> See, this is what happens when it's unedited. It's I know. like the, the, when, the, oh. when the premiere pro is away, the cats will play. I know. And it's like he knows. He's he, actually never been this vocal. But he heard it was unedited. And he's like, this is my time yeah. for the fans to hear. He wants to be and he wants. Yeah, exactly. Put me in, coach. So we're on the in the taxi to the airport and then sorry to Zara and then we have to quickly reroute. We see we track the Apple tag. Again, two spies being like to the airport. Actually, so I'm sorry, sir. Yes, like sir. take us to the airport right now. Follow that car. Yeah. <laughs> and we reroute to the airport seeing that the bags have 
wound up in Ibiza. It's now like, you know, 10 p.m. The baggage desk closes within a minute. (laughs) We get there. Ivana slams her driver's license on the counter. She's the only one with ID because, of course, I didn't bring my wallet. (laughs) And... It was a scene. Let's just, can we just say yeah, the scene? I know. So Ibiza is famously Vegas on an island. I don't think I realized the capacity. I mean, Vegas is famous for its kind of like, I guess, Southern Midwestern tourists. Yeah. This was like the UK. Love Chav. Island. Love Island. Yeah. Yeah. Love Island was all around us. All around us. And I don't think I've seen it in that just the strength of that. It was really... It's more vibrant in person. That's for <laughs> sure. That's for sure. The eyelash extensions are, are thick. The lips are... Plumped. Yeah. The hair is perfectly straightened. straightened. Yeah. Um, the tan is dark. Yeah. yeah. Dark, yeah, dark, yeah, dark. yeah, yeah. And these girls are in like the most like <laughs> compared to us in our literal loungewear pajamas. These girls are in like skin tight like full face makeup, like literal tops. Yeah. They've just flown, you know, an hour and a half so they can walk off the plane and then they're ready to pregame. Like that's the vibe. And tears, Mm -hmm. sobbing, crying. Ivana and I just looked at each other and we were like, holy shit. Like people are really stressed about their missing bags here. The club closed within them, really. It's like that was the whole plan. That was, yeah. It was the whole plan. I know. And they were sobbing. They were sobbing the way that someone would sob if, like, they had just found out, like, their extended family was murdered. Like, it was giving, like, I hate to say it, but, like, terrorist attack. Like, yeah. Like, it was giving. Yeah, some, it was like something horrible yeah, has happened. Like, catastrophe, calamity, just tears. Yeah. Like, wails. Yeah. Wailing. <laughs> wailing. Which you don't, I mean, it's rare to see wailing. No, you don't really see it outside of the confines of a relationship. And yeah. A bad relationship at that. Yeah. Like, it's, it's rare to really come across a whale these days. It's true. A recently broken up friend. Yeah. I feel like that's like, you're Even bound then, to see I a feel whale. Like but it's a single glistening tear. It's not a, yeah. it's not a whale. Definitely not in public, too. Dimitri, chime in. I know. Yeah. I know. I'm like, where are you now where, when where we are need you? you? When we need you. The sound effects on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, that was nuts. And I mean, there were a couple of other blips. Our, yeah. The publicist who took us, her, her boyfriend got in a car accident, which was really surreal yeah. on top of i think already we'd had very little sleep and um and we were having the most beautiful boat day and and there was that which was crazy and then we got back to la we sat down to record and then there oh was a whole God. scene yeah outside of my house yeah like this, this is take two this is ta- this is take two because after a haunted take one uh, we had a really bad take one wherein like we heard a woman like screaming on the street and she turned out to be suicidal and yeah. we had to call the police and it was a whole thing i know this sounds very glib like this sounds I like know. we're just like speeding through these events but really we've been through a lot together we've in been... a very short time oh my god yeah we have i do feel closer no, I mean, oh, undoubtedly connected, connected. Blood sisters. Yeah, blood sisters. The pact is in effect. It was just, I mean, we went through so much, like the ups and the downs. And like we were taking in these beautiful scenes and then 
and then helping people in dire moments and then oh my god yeah and then just trying to like navigate the world like and I think that's been my inspiration for this week and I think you had a similar (laughs) inspiration post scissor concert I remember it very clearly oh yeah you said like the adaptability of the human spirit yes (laughs) which I really resonate with now more than ever i'm i'm not gonna lie to you i'm i'm 28 years old i have gotten into a, a pretty solid routine yeah it's lights off at 10 it's up at 6 37 and that has pretty much been my lifestyle now to the point that when i went to new york a couple of months ago and i had maybe three four hour sleep nights and I was so cripplingly ill for two weeks oh, that it yeah. really concerned me, dude. I was really like, okay, no, I'm too young to be this thrown off. To be like, truly like, no, I can't do it. Yes. Like, it's not possible for me to do it. I was incredibly angry at myself. I was just like, get it together, stupid bitch. That was me <laughs> to me. Looking, sh- shaking the mirror, holding myself by the lapels, like, get it together and I couldn't and the fact that we have done like seven days of that lifestyle wherein it's like it was very little food on on multiple days just for the fact of oh dude he's yelling because he wants to go outside and it is 100 100 degrees degrees, and he is dressed like an old woman on the Upper East Side he's got a (laughs) floor length for coat (laughs) a white mink coat and he just thinks that he can go and frolic in the in the the desert for our non-American listeners like 34 degree heat yeah it's absolutely outrageous you know you're being outrageous and you're not going and that's that and that's no more complaining don't look at me like that No, no, no 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 But basically, yeah, I mean, the fact that we were able to survive that and we've come out on top thriving. I mean, it was a hard, it was a hard weekend. I know. Yeah. The, the recovery, it, the jet lag has been. It's been brutal. Oh my God. Nine hours ahead is not an ideal time difference. It's not. It's not. I agree. That's also mine. It's really, it's the adaptability. It's the resilience. It's also just that sometimes spontaneity is the answer. Yeah. And that like truly wonderful things can happen when you just say yes, even if. It's unclear how any of it will work out in the end. Yeah, It is worth it to do it. And I think, especially at this stage in our lives, we have every weekend from now until... 20 years from now planned yeah. we're like this is where this is where i am where are you november 27th and everyone's like oh my god no wedding yeah sorry i can't do can't, it yeah oh my god like child's baptism and you're like okay fuck like i guess i'll never see my friends like that is the dynamic it just so happened that this was the one weekend yeah when neither of us had anything booked we could just live in la vida loca yeah. <laughs> living the Dolce Vita lifestyle. I know. Oh my God. Living it, living it hard. Um, I like recently saw a statistic that talked about how we, right now at like our age, we would be lucky to have, I think it was like 30 more summers if you like factor in Stop. just like old age and like 30 summers where it's like, sh- most likely, God willing, knock yeah. on wood, you're healthy enough that if you want to take a big trip and travel and walk for miles every day, you can for sure mm. but it's way less than you'd think no right it's not enough 30 40 summers yeah total mm-hmm. total that we can count on and even that it's those are the ones that are technically free but will fill up with weddings and activities and things yes. that that's just frankly not enough live in la vida loca for me i know you I know, know i like to 
get loca. I, I know. I know. I saw. You see. I saw. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's not enough. So we have to live now. Uh, yeah. We do. We have to do it now. <laughs> Carpe diem. I know. We get tattooed. Oh my god. Lower back. Carpe <laughs> yeah. diem. Yeah, that's gonna be us. Yeah. No, it's it is. It, Oh, dude. Okay. Okay. He's getting uh, outrageous. And this, yeah. is, this is the, truly the one time where we're live. It's the only this time. live show. I know. It's our live show. Abso- the more we talk, the more incensed he's becoming. This Dimitri, is like when no. a member of a crowd at a concert, like, gets given the mic and just oh. goes crazy with it. Yes. <laughs> or when someone's heckling you. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm being heckled right now. Yeah, that's true. And it, it does seem specifically geared towards you. I will say that. <laughs> it's like, he's not really coming around me. He is like at your feet, looking into your eyes. Just yelling. Telling you to fuck off. I think what's... <laughs> what also got me going on this trip is I thought that I had your like type really well nailed down. and My type? Your oh, type. Oh, for men? Yes. <laughs> and that this trip upended all of it for me. Well, the, the rules are different in Europe. The rules are different in Europe. Yeah, but you like... <laughs> You really ran the gambit in terms of what you found attractive. Like, I would be like, but, like, absolutely not. And you would be like, um, he's got a little something. I'm not going to lie. Like, there's a lot going on there. And then we got taken out on this boat by this, like, 25-year-old, like, German hunk. Like, there's no other adjective yeah, other hunk. than, like, hunk. Yeah. And- <laughs> no, there was a dinner, a, a lunch. Yeah. Not a dinner. A lunch that transpired that, like, if the tables were turned, we would be like, what are you talking about? to our partners that they are at like a beautiful table at a beautiful restaurant with like some of the hottest people that have like ever walked this earth. Yeah. It was kind of outrageous. German, yeah. German men, German models. Yeah. German Just models. Ger- actually German models yeah. all sitting around me and Be- Beatrice particularly bringing them down a peg like they say something (laughs) (laughs) it's so ironic because we just did an episode specifically on nagging i know and i was and you didn't you lived the life there was one moment where one of them was talking about paris and you were like oh the only one who's ever lived in paris and can tell us about it is that what you have to keep going no it was crazy no i mean i think there was such in one in particular there was such a self and we talk about this in this episode i think we use this word a million times but there was such a self-assurance yeah bordering on arrogance but you know that's a that's a fine line Mm -hmm. to walk and i just regressed so hard to being single and being like okay okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and it took you to be like wow you're really like you're really going for the jugular with this guy and it was playful yeah yeah it was it was but it was really like my idea of like flirting with a very like hot person who knows he's hot like I was like there's no way you can be like "Ah, yeah that's so oh my god you have to be like I'm going to cut you down. Yeah. I'm coming for you. It's like, you're being kind of boring, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Mine is completely opposite. I have a totally opposite tactic. I just ask them about their moms. I'm like, I'm in there and I'm like, oh my God, like your sister's older. Does she have any kids? And like, I just go only for the most intimate, like. Well, there was a moment where I asked hot 25 year old hunk a question and you literally reeled like your ponytail whipped round to stare at me and you were like, where the hell do you get off? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'd heard him talk about the fact that he was going to Frankfurt the following day to attend his ex's little sister's graduation. And he was like, my ex's little sister is like a sister to me. Like our families are really close. Like whatever. So cute. 
And I asked him at the table, across the table, so you're really close with your ex-girlfriend's family? <laughs> and like, Ivana was like, what? how dare you? I was like, what? I hadn't heard any of the context. And I was like, why, why, why on earth ask? are you asking that? <laughs> what was ironic is that we saw him the next day. On the, we were on the same flight. Back Frankfurt. in our little travel suits. Back in our travel suits. Oh, matching. I oh know. my God. Looking disgusting. We've been at the club till 4 a.m. And then we woke up at 8 to get yeah. on this flight. And it was not good. Oh my God. You were I was very not, sick. I was ill. Food, I, food poisoning. Yeah. I it wasn't was the just, club. I was responsible at the club. It was something else. Something yes, worse. Something <laughs> worse. I had just, like, I was just exhausted. Like, yeah. there was nothing else to it. We were not on peak form to see no, this man. No. And then we see him. I waiting know. to board the plane, chat, chat, chatting with, with with a couple of hot girls. Of course. And we took it personally. Yeah. <laughs> we took it, we of course said nothing. We said nothing. We didn't say thing. goodbye. Didn't, didn't say, say goodbye. goodbye. Your eyes narrowed. Yeah. Little slits. Lips pursed. Yeah. And I was like, oh, she's not happy about this. No. And you were like, get away from him. Yeah. Under your breath. It was just so we had established a report. We spent the whole day together. And then to be replaced like that, to be reminded. By just like objectively like hotter girls. Oh my God. Yeah. Who looked like so fresh and not just like, oh, fresh. They're ready to go to Frankfurt. Like, that's just, they were ready to go. Oh my God. Speaking German, a language we don't know. Yeah. We don't know it. That's hot. Yeah. It is. It is. (laughs) It is. So it was, yeah, to, to put it frankly, to sum it all up, it was a journey and it is the reason for this live show today. And it is the reason for this delayed episode. I mean, we're just, yeah, we're so grateful for you to hanging in there with us. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah, I know. And, and honestly, I have to tell you that it was worth the wait because this week we have a guest. We have a guest who helps us through, who helps us through the jet lag, who helps us see the light, who gave us honestly really was a light at the end of the tunnel for us because so much of our travel plan was around like we have to be back in time to record with the one and the only sweet Dan Adler. Oh my God. And I think it's worth saying, and I don't think we we really have said this, but it is like these people are incredible gets. Like I cannot believe that they're coming on. I know. The first thing Dan says is, am I really the only straight guy who listens to this podcast? Because that's what we've famously said, but we are so grateful to have him as a a, a listener. He uh, is an incredible writer on staff at Vanity Fair. And to have journalists of this caliber is like unfathomable. We're so, so lucky. And they are idols to us, stars to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we it, read their writing, like actually. We actually read their writing. They, they are heroes. Yeah. And... I think it that needed to be noted for sure. Yeah. Um, and we're so grateful to give them the platform to to come on and like explain their side of the story in terms of like the story behind the story mm-hmm. in many cases, which is what this podcast is all about. It's a yeah. story behind the story. I know. So this episode is sort of split in that we do get a little behind the scenes to the weekend, which is a previous profile that we yes. covered. And bonus, we also... Dan selected like one of the coolest possible cover stories to do, which is Liz Fair in Rolling Stone, 1994. And it was just so fun. We ended up finding it turns out that 
the Liz Fair profile was something that really inspired Dan as he like got on his plane to go interview the weekend. And so it ended up being this sort of beautiful conversation about Yeah, hybrid episode. Yeah. It was. Yeah. He's he's amazing. Yeah. It's rare to to meet uh, a straight man in the in the celebrity sector. I know, and one that's so sweet. And one that's so sweet and amazing. It's like a double rainbow. Yeah. It never happens. Never, never happens. So we are so lucky. We cannot wait for you to hear him. And should we just, without further ado, dive right in? I think we should. I think we do it. All right. All right. Enjoy. I'm on the record now. You're, You're on, on the, the record. record. You're on the, You're record. On the record. Cool. I got <laughs> but my if you ever out. need to jump back off, say no more. We maybe hope you will because we want to hear. The- you want the tea? I got. We you. want the tea. Behind <laughs> the scenes. Am I really? You think I'm the only straight male listener? No. Okay. So I just a friend in London just said I went on a hinge date. I told the guy that I like love the pod and I listened to it, and now he listens and sends her screenshots. So we have so, one confirmed we case have, outside we, of we you. We have two. Yeah, yeah, two. We think. <laughs> I loved when you guys were like, we think he's straight. I was like, what gave it away? I know. I know it was the, I don't know what it was. It was the vibe. But then I asked a publicist friend if she knew you and she said, yeah, he's straight and he's hot. I want you to know that that was said to me. I am happy to represent the the straight male population. But I also thought it was funny because when you guys said that and you were, uh, yeah, when you were like, I think he's straight. I was like, do I email like a straight guy? Like, what's the, how does that work? <laughs> like, probably. I don't know. It's just an energy. It is. Yeah. It's unexplainable. Yeah, unexplainable. No, I, I, which I totally get. I, but I was like, what was the, which particular the part? What, what was the give? Yeah. I have a pretty straight code on Instagram. Is, it is a straight Instagram. But it's so rare to find a straight man in media. <laughs> Especially like the celebrity corner of it. It's the only time in my life I've been underrepresented. You know what I mean? Well, we want to get into how you got your start. But before we do. Yeah. yeah. So Dan Adler is a staff writer at Vanity Fair, and he covers a range of subjects for the vanity section, from arts to culture to crime. At Vanity Fair, he's written profiles of athletes and musicians. He's reported on R. Kelly and Glenn Maxwell's trials. And one of my personal favorites, your investigation of the Hillsong Church. And he's originally from Brooklyn and currently based there. You will recognize him as we have discussed his work at length already with regards to the weekend profile that he published this year with Vanity Fair. And obviously we loved that. We waxed lyrical about it for a good hour and a, maybe two hours that I had to then cut down. <laughs> but I would love to know how you found yourself here at a prestige publication. First of all, thanks for having me. This is exciting. It was fun hearing you two talk about the weekend and but um the the Liz Fair profile that we're here to discuss that figured into my thinking about the weekend story. So we thought it we might thought, I, and I had a theory, but oh my god, I can't wait to get into it. We'll get there. But I started at Vanity Fair as an editorial assistant almost seven years ago now. I was always writing on the side. Uh, style, culture, scandal, controversy, that kind of thing. I eventually moved to writing full time, tried to do better stories, more ambitious <laughs> stories. One of those being the profile of the weekend that you two recently discussed. I can't wait to get into that. I am I am so curious. What attracted you to the celebrity realm, entertainment culture? It's lifelong, if I'm really thinking about it. Actually, I was going through some old boxes recently and I found uh, a notebook. It was like a seventh grade English class prompt is if, if you could have a dinner party, invite anyone dead or alive, who would you invite? And I had Kristen and Elsie from Laguna Beach. 
No, no, you didn't. I did. I did. You can see it. It's, it's dated. It's on Instagram. Oh, oh my God. God. Verified document. <laughs> Fact checking. Yeah. I, I had Michael Jordan. I had Biggie and Tupac. So I think I've always wanted to write and I've always been interested in cultural products, whether they're reality TV, sports, music, and which subsets of those areas fit into a broader Vanity Fair story, whether that's Hillsong, because Carl Lentz is this figure within the worlds of, or was and sort of still is, this figure within the worlds of sports and music. Or, um, yeah, you mentioned the R. Kelly trial earlier. Of -hmm. course, a a huge musical figure, but then there's also this extra layer of his crimes and the trial. And then The weekend, similar thing, like huge musician, but means something beyond that. A cultural icon, for sure. I'm interested in, in these cultural figures who have done so well at crafting this like either incredible you know output or this mystique this enigmatic character I'm wondering for you as a journalist and as such a consumer of pop culture where you land on the art versus the artist Mm. if you can watch something like the idol that has been widely panned (laughs) and then enjoy a little bit of you know Starboy yeah (laughs) on a Saturday night (laughs) yeah as a journalist the 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 boring but Truthful answer is case by case. Maybe I'll just talk about the weekend in particular. Yeah, like the interesting thing about writing about him at the moment that I did was the idol was about to come out. No matter whether it was panned or revered, and you kind of knew it was going to be panned based on the the coverage leading up to it, and also just sort of the the tenor of the conversations, all the cultural baggage that Sam Levinson has assumed, that kind of thing. It was interesting to write about him prior to the idol without having seen the idol. I tried to take that as an opportunity to say like, all right, here's where we're at with this guy. Here is the arc he has followed to get to the place he is now. To go back to, there is no question about the art and the artist. I think within my role writing for Vanity Fair, especially for a cover story, really trying to get a sense of the person. What are the materials at your disposal? And in this case, it was the time with him, having that level of access and being able to talk to him about a show that he wants to promote. You know, this is not a guy who's done a very thorough accounting of why he makes the kind of art that he does. Yep. Mm -hmm. He was like, you know, if I'd given everything, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. It really sparked a conversation between the two of us about creative privacy and yeah. And how much you hold dear until it manifests. And I have friends who will literally say to me, I will not talk about a single thing until it debuts, premieres, uh, hits social, like whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. And it comes up in the Liz Fair profile because she's of a similar mind where she like refuses to confirm or deny what the album is about or who the album is about, or it's an unknowable person. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone's doing some version of that dance. Right. And I thought the really interesting thing that you two hit on and forgive me, I listened to the episode a few weeks ago, you were comparing the weekend to Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember which one of you said this, but Taylor needless to say has given a lot of herself. Taylor has really, really needless to say cultivated a sort of give and take with her fans. And I mean, this is off the back of news today where she addressed her audience and said, I'm not re-recording Dear John, so you can go after John yeah. Mayer. You know, like we're mm-hmm. very fresh off off these kind of moments of her like speaking directly to her fans as you would to like your friend group. Your friends, Be like, don't attack sisters. my ex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like- exactly. I do want to touch on one more thing with regards to the weekend that I think transitions so beautifully into Liz Fair. 
there's a moment that you discuss in the profile that never made the show. It is oh, yeah. his response to the Rolling Stone article, which we never saw, obviously. And I thought it would be so incredibly chic if he never responded to the Rolling Stone article. And then that just came out yeah. within an episode of the show. We're referring to a scene wherein the publicist, played by Dan Levy, pitches the star Jocelyn on a cover with Rolling Stone. And he Tedro says, isn't Rolling Stone irrelevant? Obviously, now we're about to dive into a Rolling Stone <laughs> profile, probably at the height of Rolling Stone's powers as well, 1994, Nirvana era. I'm curious as someone who is in-house at a magazine that carries so much cultural weight, how you feel about the media's relationship with the star now compared to what it might have been back in 1994. It's different social media being the I don't know if it's the primary reason, but I really try to think, what can I do that's not already there? Every celebrity can tell a story about themselves on social media. Look, don't get me wrong. It would have been great to be a magazine writer in the in the oh, early Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? All of us beep beep in our... In our town cars and our brownstones, just like <laughs> written into our company contract. There's probably no argument there about which was, um, <laughs> which was better big picture. But, you know, if you're doing it, I think you might as well think like there are ways in which social media can tell you things about who this person is and how they comport themselves. And can you incorporate that into the piece? And I mean, I did do that with the weekend story. It's, you know, him posting that Rolling Stone scene. What what does that tell you about the person that he is? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think access, needless to say, I mean, you see in this list fair piece, you know, you can tell there's a significant amount of access. Um, Days spent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which is not the case now. How much time did you get with the weekend? I was at his house for like three and a half hours. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that is the most offered, it seems nowadays. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm sure it varies case by case, but I also think like The weekend is trying to tell a story about himself and make a TV show that leverages the star he's become. Jay-Z used to say, he has a lyric about, and my interviews are the hottest. Like, I, I think <laughs> an artist who's really confident in the work that they're doing and the person that they are, an interview is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And they don't fear press. I can certainly understand why someone would would fear a reporter, but I also always think, we're mostly dealing with people who are pretty well off. A terrible Vanity Fair story written about Liz Fair or The Weeknd. Like, they're, they're fine. They're still going to wake up the next day. I, I don't really see a world in which we get back to 1994 Rolling Stone level of access. Yeah. But um, I think there are certain areas where we can claw things back through the strength of our reporting. I feel like that's all over this Liz Fair profile. To give listeners a little bit of context, this profile is the cover of Rolling Stone in 1994. The headline is A Rock and Roll Star is Born. This is a personal one for me because I went to school in Chicago. My early 20s were completely marked by the like underground music DIY scene in Chicago. And she came out of that scene and just was the coolest ever. And this profile, uh, it's just so good. So good. Thank you for bringing it to us because I don't, I've never would have found it otherwise. I'm not a Liz Fairhead by any means. I know truly nothing about her other than the song, Why Can't I? (laughs) And it's, it's it's been so interesting to learn. The writer for this, Jancy Dunn, is a contributing editor at the Oprah Magazine right now, but she has this crazy body of work from like 1989 to 2003 at Rolling Stone, where she just profiled everyone and was so brilliant. Like the reigning voice. Yeah. 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 Interestingly, Liz was her first cover story. I know, which is so sweet and and special. special. Yeah. (laughs) I know you mentioned earlier that you looked to this profile as inspiration for the weekend. I'm wondering why this one like came top of mind and what about it moves you? 
Well, all right. For some context, I was getting ready to go to LA to interview Abel the weekend. And um, I just sort of wanted to put myself in the headspace. And I pulled a few different music profiles from over the last few decades, again, just to sort of put myself in the headspace. And one of them was this one, because my friend Emma, shout out Emma, posted this profile on Instagram, maybe like a few weeks before I went to do the Able interview. Um, so it was sort of top of mind. Liz Fair, like, sorry, I can't remember which one of you said that your Beatrice was, was maybe you. Not like, familiar. <laughs> familiar. Have, you know, know the albums. Um, right. I, I, I know the importance, but A, it's mostly before my time. And B was just not an artist I'd spent a ton of time going through the biography, the discography, everything else. And that was part of the reason this appealed to me. I was like, all right, let me let me read about someone who I don't know a ton about. And part of the reason I did that is because that was one of my goals in writing the weekend story. Sure. I figured it's vanity fair, general reader. I assume most people have some level of familiarity with the weekend because he's this huge pop star, but I want my mom to be able to read it and know what's going on. So I figured coming to a Liz Fair profile from 1994, I'm born in 1992, um, would give me like a, a similar sort of level of distance. And reading the profile, I was on the plane to LA, I was really taken with the crispness of the writing. You get a lot of the personality. You also get a lot of the broader cultural context. And I thought Jancy did a really amazing job balancing those two threads against each other. Part of the reason I want to talk about it with you two is because I thought she did a really, really strong job giving you both Liz Fair, the person, the humor, the quips, the yeah. personality, and also giving you Liz Fair, this cultural figure. Thinking about the weekend, that was sort of where my head was at as well, trying to strike a similar balance. Dan, was the weekend your first cover story? It was. Okay, well, that is wow. an incredible parallel between you and Jancy. You know, literally 20 years, no, 30, 30 years apart. There were other through lines I found where they're about to do something different and the public, although they love them and they have this relationship with them, don't actually know what they're going to do next. For the weekend, it's this sort of entree into film. And for Liz Fair, a year or two after this profile would go out, she would be married with a baby living in Lincoln Park, like a very wealthy um, sort of more suburban area of Chicago. From being rock and roll's woman of the year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she came back in like her way and like has continued to make music all the while. But it's just so interesting to catch these people on the precipice of so much change. Agree with all that. Also sex. Sex. Yes. So sex. prominent in sex. both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I loved, yeah. I loved the way that Jancy wrote Fair's lyrics were, to put it mildly, not for the timid. Lyrics that gave new meaning to the question, can I be frank for a moment? Lyrics that brought forth a collective ooh-wee from the titillated rock press, which seized upon her gen generous use of the word fuck and phrases like, I'm a real cunt in the spring, you can rent me by the hour, and the oft-repeated, I want to be your blowjob queen. Heady stuff for a girl hailing from a wealthy Chicago suburb. Two very bold people who don't mince words and clearly aren't afraid to speak of the taboo beyond openly. And yeah. interestingly, they both aren't, I guess, I mean, how do you put this? Like they're, they're not sexual icons like Britney Spears, not an obvious sex symbol. And The Weeknd also isn't an obvious sex symbol. So it's like, what is the allure? What is the draw? <laughs> Ivana is looking at me with the most like judgmental expression. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I, okay. I think Liz Fair's the, was gorgeous, but I see what you're saying. It's not a Christina Aguilera where like Liz Fair comes out in like a- It's not boob crop top. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, she was like baggy jeans. I mean, like a punk 
girl a, a hot yeah. punk girl but there's something very that yeah, they yeah. exude both of them which is just like pure animal raw sex appeal which is just fascinating for two people who aren't the cookie cutter mold of American beauty. Lots of music is about sex, right? Whether yeah. that's ex- explicit or implicit. And um, I really did not come to it seeking all the parallels we're discussing now, but I but I did find them. One thing Jancy does really well is capture the sharpness of Liz Fair's writing about sex. And that is a point of overlap for Liz Fair in The weekend. The weekend, of course, sex is one of, if not his primary subject, but um, in various ways that has been lost on the public because yes. he's making these really shiny, pristine pop songs that are just like people dance to them on TikTok. And, um, you know, it's it's blinding lights. It's um, it's so glossy. Yeah. Um, but I do think if you really go back to the beginning of his career, you can really see the close attention and some might say preoccupation with sexual power dynamics. And Liz Fair is coming to that from a different place for a variety of reasons. But after I read this piece, I went back to the album. Sorry, I don't, I don't want to overdo this comparison, but I did, I, did, <laughs> I did think about this in relation to House of Balloons, the weekend's first mixtape. You know, DIY, it, gritty, yeah, completely preoccupied by sex. Both of them, it seems like, in that era of coming to their sexuality, both of these albums are coming from someone in the thick of it. Absolutely. And I, and I also think, um, you know, the, the cliche is, of course, you have the your whole life to write your first album. <laughs> That's certainly the case, I think, for for the, for these two projects we're discussing, but also to an even greater degree. It's like these debut works that are just canonical. I think it's also important to note of like how prevalent third wave feminism was during this time and the, the Courtney Love whole days and um, Bikini Kill and all these underground cool punk rock yeah. feminist bands that were like unshaven armpits and just like fuck men and wearing, you know, ripped clothes on stage and dynamic of like, it is again, a parallel, I hate to do this, but it is the shock value of both artists to write in lyrics as a 25 year old woman. Like I'm a cunt, read me by the hour, whatever. That is very purposeful, almost trying something on for size. And I think that that is such a fundamental part of the artist experience. It's like playing with your ego and the push and pull of that. As for me, as someone who's written a lot about music and and court artists at different eras, how she describes the first album is for you, your people, the second album mm-hmm. to the industry. And the third album is when it all comes together and you get to just hate your previous work and <laughs> lean into your third offering. Finally, I guess, find yourself in in the music. I, I think that was such a beautifully succinct summary of basically just every artist's work. She has so much perspective for someone so young. Crazy. Like 26 she, at this point? Yeah. She could not have done this first album without so much reflection. Like you you have to really understand something so well to be able to poke fun at it. But that's one thing I walked away from this piece with is a sense of Liz's self-possession. It's really enjoyable for me to hear an artist at the top of their game talking about being at the top of their game. The The vision and and seeing the the confidence in that vision that that really came through for me here and the self position comes through on so many different occasions as well to shift gears a little bit i mean her upbringing was that she was adopted and she talks about the fact that you know she came into this very wealthy family daughter of a physician and she has no no real connection to her background she doesn't feel beholden to her upbringing she feels freed from that she doesn't feel like she has to like dive deep into what legacy and really like family means and 
that's totally liberating. And in the same spec, she is very traditional family values in that she is pro-marriage, wants the white dress on the beach in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, to be 26 and have both of those conflicting truths existing within you and be at peace with both of those truths. I really fell in love with this woman in a way that yeah. I, I don't with many artists. Like no one is this self-aware. How many <laughs> people do you interview who know themselves like this and know how people perceive them like this? I think one of the things this piece does very economically is give you, yeah, the, the full sweep of her life. You get a lot where Liz is in relation to family, marriage, sex. I wonder mm -hmm. if you if you consider this a bit of a jibe. Jancy writes, she's genuinely interested in what she has to say and is stimulated by the things that come out of her mouth. <laughs> she's hyper observant, prone to obsessive analysis, blah, blah, blah. Did you feel like that was a little bit of like a, she's also self-indulgent, but it's an <laughs> if you know, you know type of take. That's interesting. I have the I have to say I had the exact opposite reaction. And I was oh. like, first of all, that was a very from Jancy, a, a really surprising original kind of observation it's it's sort of like i raised an eyebrow in a good way i thought that was really cool like how many people do you meet who are just saying things yeah to say something yeah you to know. hear themselves speak no that's so true from like the vibe that we get i think gen c is enjoying it i love to meet people who are stimulated by the things that come out of their mouths you know what i mean yes, yes. me too me too yeah. those I think, are my favorite kinds of people i think liz fair is really interesting and knows it yeah i agree Has has views about things. Yeah, when I talked to her also oh, we need two to, years ago. We need to yeah. preface this. Sorry, I, know, I, also yeah. interviewed her. I interviewed her and I felt the same way. I did not want to get off the phone with her. She has this all-seeing eye when it comes to the world and her ability to look back at her life and have really no regrets over the way that she's lived it and like all the different lives she's led. She was just one of my favorite favorite people i've spoken to like period there's a fearlessness there too that reminds me i mean a, a controversial take but like a, of an early kanye where <laughs> i mean i'm thinking of like the the gaga being the creative director of polaroid moment where he's like mm -hmm. what the fuck does gaga know about cameras i love her music but and you're just kind of like damn yeah like not <laughs> not no like that's kind of right and like the things about marriage she's like i used to think that it was it symbolized life ending and now i see that it's just a sidestep into a different chapter i just it's just one of those those artists or those creatives that really make you stop and reconsider your concepts your belief system yeah she seems interested in what she has to say and also genuinely curious and generous of spirit something i learned after i read this piece and spent a lot of time listening to this album when she was recording some of the songs that went on to be on this album, she didn't really have designs on not just a rock star, but really any sort of public facing musician at all. I don't know. I just think that's the coolest thing. You have so many great, ideas. you have so many great things to say that like might as well put them together on an album. And she hates the structure of most songs that go like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Like she took like all the structures that everyone is like, well, this is how you do it. And was just like, no, I'm okay. I'm actually going <laughs> to do something totally different. Despite all of that, the songs on this album are just, there are a few that are like just hits. Hits. Yeah. Radio hits. This is my question for you that I want to quickly jump back to the weekend. We talked a lot on the episode about him projectizing certain things, fame, hotness. And there was such an intentionality to him that I felt that I wondered if you also felt and saw Liz Fair seems to be completely freed from that. She's like, I'm just living day to day and whatever happens, happens. 
Did you feel that with regards to the weekend or do you come up against that a lot with artists where you, you feel you can sense the strategy? Mm. Anyone doing this kind of work, in my experience, there's ambition. There are lots of people who like to make music, but I, I think to get to this point at all, you, you need like a certain level of drive. There has to be, a, I think, a hunger to commune with people through your artistry. It's complicated to have that ambition because also I think the world loves to watch people fail. She has an amazing quote where she cites Kurt Cobain, where she talks about how yeah. she's been reflecting a lot on fame. And she says, it's been on my mind a lot, I must say. She sighs, distractedly flipping through a pile of mail. There's nothing special or magic about the pop star anymore. Everyone knows how it happens. Everybody knows what toll it takes. The magic isn't the rise. The magic is the disintegration, like Kurt Cobain. We know how they got there. Let's see how they fuck this up. I, I think that's the, the perfect part of the piece to focus on. Liz Ferris, again, when she was starting out, didn't necessarily have designs on being a rock star. By the same token, I wouldn't underestimate the level of care, you know, you could you could call it strategy or whatever else around her thinking about how she would move forward once she got there. A place where I see that intentionality is where she refuses to answer the interviewer's question on whether Exile and Guyville is about someone in specific, which I feel like in the moment being on the side of the journalist is so frustrating when you're trying to get like the tastiest morsel out of someone and they refuse to answer. But yeah. in hindsight, and especially here, the way that Jancy wrote it, you see why and you see how it leaves this level of mystique where she's trying to pull these answers out and Liz Fair has like a quip at every turn. It's like, well, actually, it's more about imaginary scenarios. I, I just found it so good. Well, the way that Gen Z writes too is, is as if she's sitting down with one of us and explaining Liz Fair over drinks. It's so intimate. It is, to, your, to use your word, which is the perfect word, crisp, but it's mm -hmm. also incredibly casual. And there's such a magic to casualness in writing because uh -huh. it's it's so carefree it's like i don't give a fuck how you receive this but this is the reality this is the truth and to finish this entire quote that ivana just referenced with fair one interviewer zero i wish like i've never had the confidence to be i, I like think to that call out your own l no yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no it's so incredibly brazen it's beautiful writing mm -hmm. like it is beautiful writing I think the one time I've ever, and I'm interested in this for you as well, the one time I've ever been able to do something even remotely close to this or had the bravery to was when I was treated badly by an artist. I can't even work out if Jancy likes her from this from this piece. I think she's delighted by her. Do you think? I, I get a lot of delight. She also lets her speak so much. Like there's so much Liz in this from her speaking like poetically about fame and and her artistry to her calling out how men dressed in overalls um would be like fucking the Pillsbury Doughboy. I just think like she lets her be funny. And Ivana is wearing overalls. I'm today. wearing overalls now. I accidentally was, was that on purpose? No, no. <laughs> it's the only thing I could find on the floor. I was like, she's really giving Pillsbury Doughboy today. But she lets her be funny, and I think you only let people be funny if you like them. No, do you know what? I think I disagree. I think that's actually twofold. I think <laughs> she lets her shine so much because the quotes are so good because she's had the access and she has the word count. She has the space. And I think that is very 1994 in a lot of ways. That's mm -hmm. very like time and place with magazine culture. But you in the weekend piece, again, you can confirm or deny or no comment at all. 
I think there was so much room for you to report so beautifully and write so beautifully because there may have been a bit of evasion there. There's maybe not a lot he's giving in this particular quote. So I'm going to have to fill in the gaps and the writer wins in this moment. But yeah. I I don't know. <laughs> no, it's an interesting question. I'm trying to think about it. Well, the, the first thing I'll say about this piece, the Liz piece is, yeah, like there's, there's a propulsiveness to it, like a, a lightness to the writing. And I mean that in the best possible way that just kind of carries you through it. And you really like, uh, I love when you read a piece like this and you sort of like forget that you're reading a piece of journalism. I also um, love that you've printed this out, that you're I know. just so cool. I love an analog vintage, moment. Vintage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I was, I, again, I was originally reading it on, on the plane. I know I was, it got me excited to do the piece because I was like, Did oh, you yeah. have it printed out on the plane? Is that like the image if someone were to catch you on a United flight? If someone was to cast, I think it, it might have been United or Delta. I can't remember. I knew that. But, um, of course, I do my response. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, United. I would um, truly fear sitting next to you on that plane. The cool Brooklyn boy reading out vintage profiles <laughs> in printed form. Me watching Gossip Girl downloaded. Oh like, <laughs> it's a new season. <laughs> Naked yeah. Miranda and then just like that while yeah. this man is reading Liz Fair. <laughs> We we all need to follow our passions and Gossip Girl is one of mine as well. I didn't make it through the, the reboot. Neither did, Neither, I. Did I. Neither did I. I don't think anybody did. No. There is a beautiful quote in here. In one of our previous episodes, we we talked at length about Julia Roberts and the fact that she was the highest paid actress in 1999, making $20 million a movie, which is outrageous. And the fact that Julia crops up in this piece is so crazy. They went to summer oh, camp together. When they were yeah. 13. Let's let's see. What are you fucking calling me collect for? Your parents are rich enough. I know. The backstory is that like they, they tried to maintain this friendship, but Julia Roberts was calling Liz Fair collect and she was having it's to too expensive. Too yeah. expensive to maintain that friendship. Yeah, just gold. And then the next part, tall bossy friends get you in the best kind of trouble. Yeah. That's my Beatrice. That's that's, that's me, five nine and bossy. I'll <laughs> I'll take it. I thought this piece revealed a lot about Liz Fair as an artist and as a person. But I did it again with a sort of like soft touch. This is something I miss a little bit in some of the contemporary celebrity journalism I read. There's like more and more pressure to kind of like sum someone up and be like, yeah, yeah. this is what this person means in relation to Nepo babies or, you know, whatever else. And I found that this got to all of that. It got to who Liz Fair is and why she was important at this time and in what way she was important. There's like a certain leisureliness to it that just, re just really captivated me. I love that take about the pressure to sum someone up because that is what it feels like. You want to give something that's not available on social media. And oftentimes that's your personal perception because the one thing that their followers don't have access to is them in real life. And you do. And that is your job to deliver the real life portrait. And I think that's why journalists these days have such a reputation for being snarky because snark, it, it delivers the biggest punch. Like it really, like it's something that stays with you. It travels and well. It yeah. does travel well. It mm -hmm. does travel well. And it's, it's pulled out. It's it's screenshot. <laughs> I think everyone should ask the tough the questions, the hot button question, or whatever. You know, if, if if it's the thing people are curious about, but that's that's a question. Of, you know, with with the weekend, for example, there was this controversy around the idol and its contents and the production. How did you tiptoe into that? Yeah, I was just gonna say. Yeah. I tried to do what I tried to do in the story, which is not position it as something that's like the moment you need to respond to, but as part of the story that I'm trying to tell about you. We talked about his use of sex in his work. We talked about the themes he plays with. And those to me were all entry points into this larger conversation about this controversy. Like, 
what is this controversy really about? And what I said to him, I put this in the piece, is like, I think a lot of people are responding to the work that he's been doing. They're mm-hmm. seeing that the show about Idol is about to come out. It's about sex and coercion. It's about power. And having a straight guy doing that is always going to come with some level of baggage. Yeah. And then you also pair him with Sam Levinson, who is taking hits. And, um, yeah. you know, I also just, I come to these questions like lots of people love The weekend. Lots of people love Euphoria. So I'm not, I'm not coming to be like, hold the microphone in your face, like, now you got to respond to the allegations. I'm trying to tell a story about you and your work, which I enjoy and appreciate. And I'm trying to understand this pushback in relation to the person that you are. You know, this goes back to the conversation we were having earlier. Like most people who get to this position, you don't understand everything about the public's perception of you. But to some level, your job is to kind of understand where you exist in relation to your fans and to the press and to the public. So I'm asking Abel, like, how did you process that? Did you internalize it? Or could you yeah. keep pushing? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where does that fit in relation to everything else? And then hopefully what you've done throughout the course of the interview prior is had a really thoughtful conversation about what that trajectory is. So that when you get to the controversial mm-hmm. portion, you can fit it into the arc of the interview you've been doing. And also in turn, when you write the story, not have it be like, you know, here we go, here's the controversy, but have it again, be part of the broader story you're trying to tell about this person. To bring it back to the Liz Fair piece, I think what the piece again does really, really well is it gives you the cultural context. It gives you the personality. But at the end of the day, it's a story. It's a magazine story. You'll get to all the questions about sex, sexual frankness, but it won't be sort of like shoehorned in as, um, all right, now here's the tough part. It's going to be part of the broader story that were telling about Liz Fair. Again, I, I'm trying not to be too much of a downer about contemporary celebrity magazine writing because yeah. I think there's still a lot of great work being done in that in that department. But w- so one nice thing about having like this conversation we're having about sort of like a, what might be perceived as a gotcha question versus um, something a little bit subtler, people will pull out the parts that are, as we say, clicky. On social media, people will tweet the parts that are inflammatory. So I kind of think as a, as a ma- if you're writing for a magazine, you can kind of like talk yeah. about all the important stuff and like, if people want to take it to the races with the most inflammatory parts, like, fine, great. Mm-hmm. Hopefully people will read the full story too. Do you have a dream interview subject where you get like three days of access? Yeah. I mean, I wish I could tell you this is a hard question, but it's a very easy one. Drake. <gasps> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why? One of the greatest, first of mm-hmm. all, and just hasn't done an interview in so long. Has done so, so, so much. Two albums last year. Says he's coming out with another album soon on tour right now. You've seen him before? Yeah. I saw him at the Apollo earlier this year. I mean, just the body of work is like, I, I feel like Drake is still, the, the depth of the catalog is still somehow underestimated. His his popularity has spanned all of my time and more as someone who professionally writes. I'd love to get to know the guy better. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a great answer. And I think what's so fun about him as opposed to a Beyonce is that he is really not removed. He is very much in the trenches with the people. He's often very petty. He's unpredictable. <laughs> he is not the the A-list MGM type celebrity. Like, like sanitized. Yeah, he's very, he's very involved. And I think because of that, so many people have a their own unique parasocial relationship to him. Me personally, I've gone through so many different waves with Drake of like true, like heartbreaking love to like <laughs> fuck this guy to be like, wait, I'm back in it. And I think that's that's such an interesting celebrity to get to know. Soundtrack of our lives. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I so hope ma- you get it. I hope you get it one day. So many eras, so many moments, so many different sounds, different styles, 
Um, it's just hard to think of anything really. He used comparable. to be mine. He used to be mine, but I don't think he can ever be interviewed by a woman. Say I more. really <laughs> I think his relationship with women and femininity is so complicated. I think his entire self-identity and sense of validation is rooted in his relationship with women, single mom energy. And I just don't think, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of rappers. There's always a sexual undercurrent there, whether or not it's intentional. They are just so used to engaging with women only in the sense of that woman being a groupie. And I think it's difficult. And in some ways it disarms them, which is amazing because it's such an advantage and such a gift. In other ways, there's not an availability there because at the end of the day, they're flexing. And that doesn't put you in a great position as a journalist. But I mean, I've had it go both ways. I've had it be like really amazing and really like, it's an interesting dynamic. This would absolutely have to be a part of any good Drake profile. I agree with you. And in, in his recent work, especially, his music has been about sex and love for a long time now, as, as lots of people's music is, but um, the, the recent albums. He's getting older and the narrative is the same. When is that shift? When is that maturity going to kick in? Because I like haven't seen it yet. I don't know. I And this is, again, controversial. I don't think I'll ever get to interview him so I can be more candid than you possibly. But I think <laughs> I think there's been like a regression in terms of in terms of that than when we... The profile we did of him, he was 26 and it felt different. But to ask you the hot button question, feedback off the back of the weekend profile, did you hear from the team? Did you get a gauge of how it was received? <laughs> There's a pause. <laughs> There's a prolonged pause. Can I can I go off the record? Absolutely, yeah. of course. Yes. <laughs> oh god damn i wish we could oh, keep that in sorry that's sacred and also the, the other reason i wanted to be off the record is because just like yeah i guess that's like I, I guess part of my job i feel is like to not worry about that or care about yeah. it even though like obviously on a personal level like I, it's not like i don't think about it i don't know on the off chance that <laughs> the weekend or drake are listening to this yeah but if we can go back for a second i think the reason that you went off is because it highlights a complicated relationship between talent and subject wherein it's like at the end of the day and we say this you know ad nauseum it is a blind date and you it's still a human interaction and you come away from it being like i kind of hope that person likes me on a human emotional level it's difficult to separate that it's like the art and the artist. It's like, you know, sex and love, especially when you're so familiar with their work. Like I'm sure you have ingested the weekend's catalog over and over and over again at your own leisure. It's like, oh my God, this guy soundtracked my adolescence. Yeah. I mean, well, similar to what we were just saying about Drake, the weekend and Drake, of course, both from Toronto came up in, in related ways. You know, House of Balloons came out 2011. My freshman year of college, like yep. someone who's really been like, yeah, just a, a hugely meaningful cultural figure in my life. Something I hear from published sometimes, it's like, is it going to be a positive piece or a negative piece? And I'm always like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I truly, truly, genuinely don't think of it that way. You want to tell an interesting story, a truthful story, a story that captures something? Is that positive or negative? I don't know. It depends who you ask. So as far yeah. as like being liked or not liked, yeah, you're trying to tell a a, a, a good, compelling story. I think most people can respect that. And I think if you, you if you find ways to communicate that through your interview style, through your past writing, through um, you know your communications with the the person's team, then like you know even if there's a question that um, a subject doesn't like, ho hopefully comes within the context of a broader understanding that you're really trying to tell a, a thoughtful, comprehensive story. And it does take a very big person or a 
a very big journalist to not want like a text after the fact from the from the artist or a DM or whatever it may be or just to to stand because at the end of the day like these are very impressive people and it's really difficult to not be enamored by that and to have them respect you and give you time is deeply intoxicating we talked to also Vanessa Gregoriatis yes um, yes who um is one of my one of my all-time idols hopefully needless to say I know no it's absolutely incredible and she told us that it's so funny to think of the Vanity Fair party where it was her in this group with a bunch of other journalists. And she's like, we totally fucked it. Like we should have been making friends with Orlando Bloom and all these people that have power. But like all of us are just together being critical of celebrities together. Judging, now we judging, have sitting there and judging. And she's like, what do we have to show for this? And <laughs> it is it is so interesting. We talked about someone like Derek Blasberg, who's another great example of someone who started as a journalist, but really befriended these people in these circles, it's so hard because it's like the forbidden fruit. Morally, <laughs> Ivana was was raised in a very different or studied under a very different kind of journalistic professor who was just like, you do not get to share even the slightest personal detail with talent. Like you need that wall and it needs to be so solid. I was came from the very laissez-faire school of like learning on the job and got into some really hairy ethically questionable situations <laughs> with talent, you know, and where does that line start and end and so on and so forth. And how much do you include if you did feel uncomfortable or you were possibly treated badly or you were treated really well? And can you just go off about how much you love this person? So it's like, it is, it's such a fine line to walk. I think you did it incredibly well in the profile. I think Jancy killed it with regards to mm-hmm. to Liz Fair as well. Telling the interesting story, the most interesting story, even if that story is not the most fluffy or like obsequious, up and like complimentary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't presume to speak for Liz Fair, let alone Liz Fair's opinions on this piece. But I do think like anyone can read this piece and see that there's a lot of attentiveness and care to the person. Yeah. yeah. And never at the expense of its sense of humor, though. It's like mm-hmm. for every like beautiful thing that she writes about being a woman writing about sex. She also talks about how um, her earliest erotic memories were triggered by the illustrations in Alice in Wonderland and how like something about those skinny legs like really did something for her. And so yeah, it, just, it can it can be so funny. I think that was one of the quotes I wanted to find when Jancy describes Liz. Her sexual presence doesn't reach out and grab you by the lapels. Instead, mm-hmm. she radiates a low-grade sexuality, or is it confidence, or both? Mm-hmm. Great yes. stuff. It's, it's, it's bang, bang, bang. It's, it hits you at every line. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Really, it really does. It does. Yeah, I love the again the the alertness, the crispness, just the like. To me, that's the, like that's that's why we're here. Yeah, and there's nothing more flattering than thoughtfulness. There's yeah. nothing more flattering than consideration. And I think to bring it meta to us in our relationship, and the fact that you responded to that episode of the weekend and said, you know, like, thank you for the thoughtfulness. And that is the highest form of flattery for someone to surgically dissect your, your work. <laughs> Honored. Like, that's like, I mean, to go back to the broader question of getting trust with the subject or whatever else, I think like, yeah, I think you got to make an affirmative case for like, I think your work really matters and mm-hmm. I'm going to show you that I'm going to pay attention to it. People respond to that. <laughs> I met a, I met a musician recently who um, she was joking about like how she would profile me. And I was like, I'd be honored. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If someone who writes professionally and really cares about writing took the time to think about me and who I am and what I do, seems like a cool. diagnosis too. Like it is yeah. like having a therapist. One last question for you. Have you, have you ever fallen in love with the subject? Male, female, romantic, platonic, whatever. 
in the sense of you came away and you were like, well, I, I was hypnotized by that person and I forever changed. Certainly not romantically. That that uh, <laughs> <laughs> that takes me beyond an ethical boundary. I don't think it does because I no, <laughs> it doesn't mean you have to act on it. But mm-hmm. you've come away and you've been like, wow, I that is a beating heart that I now have after meeting them. And I think that's what Sam spoke to with um, Dylan O'Brien of just being oh, like, yeah. oh, there is this, there is something here. There's a spark, this chemistry. And it's oftentimes definitely not reciprocated in any sense. And like, that is the ethical boundary, but God, it's another human. It's a human <laughs> connection. It's spending a lot of time with someone. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I don't want to sound sterile about any of this because it is, it's people, it's relationships, you know, personality comes into it a thousand percent. You're right. You're writing about personality. I do think, you know, you're always trying to evaluate, at least for me, like there's some level of performance, right? It's a celebrity, yeah. someone who's mm-hmm. professionally charismatic, dealing with a journalist, someone who's going to write about them for an audience. I, I do try to arrive with a sense of not like overly skeptical, but some degree of distance. To answer your question a little bit more directly, like I've certainly been charmed. Yeah. Um, Enamored, I think is the word. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I, in general, celebrities and otherwise, I appreciate people who have like a clear vision of themselves to bring it back to, to the list profile. You really get a sense of how she thinks of herself in the world. And like, is that, is that her, um, doing that for a journalist or is that what she does every day? I don't know. But like part of what makes the, the art form of profile writing, if I can be so grandiose, exciting is sort of like, balancing all of that to what degree there's um there's manipulation almost like there is like or like a magical night of getting to know each other that and that happens in real life too right like you know you meet someone you go on a date whatever else i think i always describe it as that it is a date where they don't ask you a thing i think that's a good way to put it liz talking about her relationship he played me like a goddamn fiddle just like the the humor the yeah one thing i love about liz fair as a songwriter is the way she turns a phrase understated turn a phrase but also like really hits you. I mean, that's why I do this, I think, because I'm so I love to find out how other people think. And it's endlessly fascinating to me. I agree. (laughs) Thank you so much, Dan. It's been incredible. An honor. Thank you so much. My honor. I I was truly touched by the weekend episode. It was special to be read with that degree of attention. It wasn't hard. We had so much fun doing it. And I think that's why we felt so compelled to reach out to you because, yeah, no, it was was a joy to read, a real pleasure and such a pleasure also to speak to you. (laughs) Thank you for sharing and being so candid. And I know Yeah, of course. This is really fun. I know we pushed you, so... (laughs) All good. I love it. And if we can help at all to secure a Drake profile for you, know that we will. He's a star. He's yeah. a star. Well, we love you. Thank you. Thank Likewise. You this is really fun. Look forward to the episode. Yeah. Let me know if you guys are in New York. We'll have to hang out. Yeah, Perfect. we will. Yeah, We're there yeah. often, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although it breaks cool. us every time. <laughs> Take care. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Fun. How yeah. cerebral. And I hope that I didn't kind of come in too hard <laughs> um, with just kind of breaking down the, I mean, it is, a, it is complicated, but like the, the nuances of interviewing someone that you love or falling in love with someone that you interview. Mm. He, he used like a, a totally apt word, which is sterile. He's like, I don't want to approach the realities of the journalism experience like too sterile but it is like it is weird when you are so familiar with someone's work 
it soundtracks your life, as he said, with regards to Drake and The Weeknd both. Like, he can remember where he was when he heard House of Balloons mm-hmm. um, or, like, if you're reading this, too, it's too late or whatever it may be. And, yeah, it's, it's weird to meet those people because the entire construct of journalistic ethics is to be totally unbiased. And it just isn't reasonable or realistic. No, it's so hard. And I feel like for me, honestly, Liz Fair would be one of those people where if I were to meet them, I, w- I could not help meet them in person, like do a meaty yeah, interview. access forward interview where I'm like at her house. I would one, want her to love me mm-hmm. so badly. And two, I listened to her music in college. I listened to it in New York. It soundtracked so much of my life. Like it was like legend at so many of the Chicago shows and venues that I went to, like she was like plastered on the walls of so many of my most like formative years that I just feel like it's you, so hard. You really bristled when I said she's not an obvious sex I know. symbol. I'm like, she is gorgeous. <laughs> I did. I bristled. I bristled. No, I, I totally know what you mean. I think we talk about often with regards to celebrity interviews, there's been a, a real shift towards uh, pairing journalist or in subject or whatever celebrity and writer um, with someone from a similar either like ethnic or socioeconomic or gender identity backgrounds like Mm -hmm. it always it has really become a a huge thing to match the same type of like vibe or yeah identity that people that people have and I think there's another part of that equation which is like do you match talent and fan right like is where the, where is that line? Because a lot of assignments get taken on or get offered to people who live, breathe that subject, you know? And I, it's and it's like, we're, you know, ethically, if we're going to really put it on the table, is that something we should be doing? Like, should we be bringing on a writer who instead is like, I don't really feel any type of way about Drake. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thing because I, yeah. I think both of those stories are interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that the beauty of when someone is super familiar mm-hmm. and has a sort of long standing relationship with that artist is that there's so much nuance there and the questions can be deeper because they know the backstory so well. Yep, yep. Um, and I think that that makes for a really nuanced, interesting story. I, but on the flip side, when you bring someone in who is not familiar, because there's no way, especially for someone like Drake, where they have a whole catalog of music and scandals and past identities that they identified with that now is like girlfriends, girlfriends. There is no way, even if you give that person a month, they can brief themselves and do competent research, I'm sure, but you cannot in a month condense someone's whole life and rise to fame and learn about it and really understand the nuances. And then, so you come to the interview though, and I think that what that person brings is an outsider's perspective. Which I think can be really valuable. Oh yeah, totally. And I think that's where like the out-of-pocket questions sometimes come from someone that's not familiar and that doesn't yeah. know like, oh, actually that's not something that he prefers to be asked about. Or And it's interesting that that was Dan's intention. Like he came to the weekend, obviously a longtime fan, but wanting his mom to understand yes. who this guy was. Yeah. And I think that w- was the perfect way in. Like I think that was a really smart approach as opposed to the winking 
in an industry type of angle of like, you know, this guy, let me like, yeah, let me just go dive straight under the surface mm. rather than contextualizing him and his rise earlier on and explaining like literally where the guy came from, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like also it's a bad profile if your intention is to prove to the artist that you're a fan right. through the profile. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, then you're writing with something to prove. It's so, it's so It's weird kind of like, I, mummy, aren't I good? Yes, like, <laughs> yes, yeah. And I mean, we touched on that briefly too about like the feedback and he, he didn't go on record about it, but you know, it's really hard to walk away from something like that or publish something like that and not want the pat on the back mm -hmm. from the artist. Like, yeah, you got me. You saw something in me. You understood me. I just remember specifically uh, being offered a Post Malone interview and giving it to another writer who I thought was a bigger fan. And now I look at that and I'm kind of like, I, I definitely could have done that. Yeah. Um, but like, that's a that's a big part of journalism now where it's like, I know you love them. So do you want to meet them? You know, like, do you, do you yeah. want that opportunity? I've done the same, um, with a BTS interview, Stop. but I bowed out of that gracefully and don't look back and think I should have done it because totally. the writer who wanted to write about it was Asian American and was like a super fan and knew like their the, and whole background. No way. And I yeah. was like, there, I should absolutely I should not, not be the one to write this. Yep, yep, so yep. I think that both can be true. Like, I think that, Yeah. You totally could have pulled off the Post Malone story. No, and it, it, but it's not a matter of pulling it off. Like I just, it's just interesting that that was my instinct. Yeah. Like I don't deserve this because I don't love him enough. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah. And I think, I think the better story definitely came out in the end. Like I'm sure that it did. Mm -hmm. But there is truly something to be said for someone coming in blind. Yeah. And I remember, I remember interviewing someone who I wasn't that big a fan of and asking him a question and him being like, whoa, no one's asked me that before because he got the fan question so quickly. Like mm -hmm. that was the majority of what he was asked. So I kind of went big picture with it and was like, do you enjoy the experience of being a celebrity? Yeah. And then he was like, whoa, do I enjoy the experience of being a celebrity? I don't know. And that was literally off the basis of, look, like that was a rush job. I hadn't done that much research. So I was like, let me just talk to this person as like another human um, rather than being like, so in 2015, when you had that one lyric on the one album, what did you mean by that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's, it's just such an interesting industry. And yeah, the blind date when no one asks you a thing is is a big part of it. And being asked a little something or being, as you've referenced in a previous interview, poured a glass of water or being like, how are you? You look great. Great mm -hmm. pantsuit. Mm -hmm. It really does a little something for you. Yeah. And I think that the the more you do, the easier it gets to not think about like the reception of it. Yeah. And I don't know. There's a really great... Um, Taffy Bradister Ackner, who's someone we like talked about on this podcast, who's doing an amazing job at profiles right now. She did this profile of Bradley Cooper, and the headline is Bradley Cooper does not like this profile. And I just think there's a boldness that comes once you're like in this sort of world and you're comfy in it, and it doesn't, the reception is not as important. Well, you, she, is a star in the industry. Totally. It's like Bradley Cooper interviewing Br the Bradley Cooper of journalism. Like, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, like it's so true. No, yeah. And that's that someone is a freedom. Has, yeah, yeah, she has a carte blanche to do whatever the fuck she wants. With yeah. us, it's like, we're nowhere near at that level. It's no, we would be in very big trouble if, if we wrote a Bradley Cooper profile that 
was headlined like that. Yeah, I mean, that is truly burning a bridge with the publicist. That's when you don't need relationships because someone's always coming to you. Yeah, that's so true. I have seen that done by a kind of unknown unknown writer, sorry, and I... We have to do this profile. It's about Miles Teller. Oh. And she actively calls him a yes. dick. She's like, yes. he's a jerk. Um, and that's right. written in, which is incredible. It was actually covered in the New York Times as being like one of the most scathing profiles of all time. Yeah. So, and we will definitely, we, we got to do that one. Oh that's my a God. good one. No, that Because that, yeah, that's not easy. That's not easy to do. It's so brave. It's so, so brave. Yeah. And it's hard to walk away from something. It's just, it is just like a date that's gone wrong. It's really rough to walk away from an experience and be like god i didn't like that person Mm -hmm. like fuck i really didn't like that person and it almost feels like time wasted yeah yeah and also how do you write a story how do you write it that is in a fair way Mm -hmm. in a way that's like i also recognize that sometimes we can catch people in bad moments Mm -hmm. which has happened to me but also i don't know i think that there's something to being honest i think there is I think there is. And I think that goes back to journalistic integrity. Like this yeah. is where we are. Like this is this is the whole the whole subject and through line of this interview with Dan. It's like having integrity at every single point. But yeah, having to then dedicate and dissect, as he talked about with the weekend, dedicating and dissecting, dedicating time to and dissecting a person to the level that you have to to write about them and you didn't like them mm-hmm. or they weren't nice to you sucks yeah sucks like it's not something you want to do and he talked about gotcha questions and like feeling like you like a a kind of on the back foot or or you know feeling feeling kind of snarky or underhanded in the way that you approach a subject but in reality like it it doesn't feel good to be that person like it really doesn't no no in fact like the most offended I've ever gotten in an interview is when someone accused me of being like a gotcha journalist. That was what? like, yeah. Talent said that to you? N- not directly. They were just treating me like I was, like I was trying to get into their lives or like treating me it? like, I think you know. Who? Well, we may have to cut this, but. That's right. Was like had invaded her life and was like asking questions yeah like her privacy and was like asking questions I shouldn't be asking yeah and and that's an interesting person because that's someone who's new to press like it's it's not someone who's like used to the game no it probably was one of her bigger early profiles yeah yeah it was and she had also studied journalism in college and (gasps) so she was like I know exactly what journalism is and it was sort of like i don't like no, i don't no, know if you journalism do. doesn't yeah. look anything like it yeah you're taught in college it was it was wild it was a wild experience like being with someone who thinks that they know what you're trying to do and in fact they're like completely misreading you and like m- just like so scared and like defenses up so high that i was like i like nothing is happening here that's untoward like this is all normal mm-hmm. you're fine i actually love and respect and listen to your music like, I don't yeah, know why yeah, yeah, it's yeah. going like this. Totally. And it's interesting because in this interview specifically, I I saw a difference between Dan and Vanessa and Sam, who are all writers who we've interviewed, wherein like Vanessa, who's a little bit older, was completely free, like totally, yeah. totally liberated and kind of like, like, I mean, how do you, how would you describe it? Like 
kind of naughty and gossipy and insidery because I think she's at the level of her career where nothing sticks and she's yeah. completely free and she's gone viral a couple of times on podcasts for being so free. And, and Dan, I think, and Sam were definitely more measured and conservative and they're younger in their careers and they know the game. And I think it's so tough to be interviewed as a journalist or someone who mm-hmm. frequently interviews people because you're so aware and you choose words so carefully and it's you're just so, so, so aware. Because I think you have to prove your competence in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You have to – It's. I think that the reason that Taffy can do what she does, I think the reason Vanessa can do what she does is because they have a proven track record yep. of incredible reporting, writing, and just like – they know how to do this. But I also think they predated the clickbait era yeah. where it wasn't as scary. And mm-hmm. and it is interesting. Like, I think for us as well, if we were to be profiled, to be interviewed, and like Dan said, it is an enormous honor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it is an intimidating prospect because you know one pullout can go many different ways. It's just, it's yeah, just Would you be nervous? Oh, big time. And I think the only way to navigate it would be to be completely authentic and yeah. totally, you know, off the off the books. Like I can just like let's go. I think that's the way I would I would go with it. Me too, actually. Because I think that at the point that you start to censor yourself mid sentence, not mm-hmm. only is everything stilted, but you just can't break through to anything. Like Mm-mm. nothing is coming out that's real. Yeah, and I think I would rather look back on said interview and be kind of a little bit like lol like a little bit embarrassed and not feel like it was representative of me rather than have uh, a journalist takeaway being like wow (laughs) she was so you know careful and like gave me nothing and like oh that girl you know I think I would rather just like balls to the wall be like fuck it um but it is it is uh, who knows like who knows who you would be in that context that's inter- I haven't thought about it actually. Mm. Of like what I would be like if the dynamic was switched and I'm the one being interviewed. I know. I haven't given it much thought either because it honestly it's it's a lot. It yeah. intimidates me. Oh yeah. Wow. Greater empathy. Greater empathy sprouting <laughs> up all around. Especially because we're asking really like oftentimes really deep diving questions of like, how are you existentially in this moment? Yeah. Are yeah. you happy? Yeah. yeah. Like, what are your thoughts on the writers actors strike? Who should win? Like, oh my God. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a lot. Yeah. Was, Tell know? me about your breakup. Like that's a question I've asked so many people because of all the breakup albums, but mm. that's like a, it's like, tell me all about this heart wrenching time in your life. I don't think I've ever, so I don't think I've ever asked that question. Oh, the way that I do it, this tell is me. my way. Yeah, tell me. Is specifically when it's like an album that's been released that is very obviously about a breakup or something difficult. I I ask, tell me what was going on in your life when you started working on this album. <gasps> oh, yeah, that's great. And then it's like it's I'm not getting in there with a little hook and being like, what? Tell me more about the breakup. I'm just saying like, tell me what was going on with you during this time, the beginning of all this. Mm. And it's usually like, well, I'm so conversational in the sense that I often don't ask a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> I, I say things like, I can't imagine what was going in your life at the time. Mm-hmm. And then I drop. And then you say silent. Away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no. Everything happens when you just yeah. stop talking. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I can't imagine. And they go, yeah, you fucking can't. It was so tough. It was so mm-hmm. hard. And you're like, whoa, yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. We're on now. We're rolling now. We're cooking with gas. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. 
Oh, well, we're coming off a time. I know. And it's just, uh, I just have to express immense gratitude for you. Yeah. And Dan. Yeah. And Dan. Uh, but specifically you. <laughs> oh, me. Yeah, you personally. I thought you were talking to the listeners. No. Well, yes, no, listener. I, no, of course. Well, love the listener. Dan, but above but all. You. Above all you. Yeah. That's the... Happy wife, happy life. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're still dad. Yeah. That's still dad at the end of the day. <laughs> Is that the right trio? Yeah. Wait. Um. My, wait. Father, son, father, son Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Right. Yeah, that's what you yeah. said. Yes. Yeah. And you are father. Father. And I just want to say, like, thanks. Thanks, Dad. Of course. Daddy. No problem. For holding me down. <laughs> You're my spirit. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm Jesus. You're Jesus? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're no, right. I can't claim that. Yeah. But I won't claim I'm it. like, you are wearing a... <laughs> no, but I'm saying you're dead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> We've got to stop. we got to stop. we got to stop. Because this is our unedited show. I know. So you're, you're hearing, hearing all of this. Comparisons no. to Jesus are usually left on the cutting room yeah, floor. Yeah. Usually. Not today. Not today. We'll all see right. you next week. We'll be back to normal. We'll be back on top of it. We will be ready to go. We love you so much. And we can't wait. Bye. Bye. Bye.